Welcome back to another episode of the About Cast. You know who it is, Jordan, and my co-host, just another smooth podcaster on the loose. Julian, how's it going? Are you ready for this? I'm doing good, man. I'm hyped up. I'm ready to talk the State of the Union on sports, kind of give a little bit of a getaway for the very, very strange times across the world, uh, and even stranger times in America right now, if I'll say so myself, and just taking a look at something that gives a lot of us joy or might have you know some background past too, and that's sports. What's that? Um, okay, cool. Yeah, and so I think that's that's the amazing thing about well, the amazing thing about sports is that it is something like so unifying and it's a true escape that is um, you know, think different things can happen in the sports realm. So I think that what you can get out of this podcast today is where we're at with sports, how things are going along and where we hope to be in the near future. So without further ado, let's jump into the one that is nearest and dearest to my heart, and I believe yours, Julian, the NBA and the affairs of basketball. So currently, Uh, huh? I said, ah, I thought you were going to go with badminton. No, dude. So we're saving that for dessert. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, So basically, where we're at right now is that um, players... Currently, in some locations, have been cleared to start practicing. Um, that doesn't mean that we're going to have an official season or re- resuming of the season. And there's still talks of possibly jumping straight into the playoffs. As a Laker fan, um, I know that some of you guys are rolling your eyes, but I was a Laker fan during the Smush Parker era. So you know that I'm real with it. Um, I need... I need to see us get this chip, bro. It's time. It's been long overdue, and we came back. Daddy's come home. You would hope that they go straight into playoffs from a pure basketball standpoint. And even if I was a player, there's only 15 or 16 games left in the regular season. And for some of those teams, it's meaningless to put yourself in a ways harm. So I think going straight into the playoffs with all players being healthy after that first round, shaking off a little bit of rust and getting the flow back will make that second and third and finals round much better and exciting basketball to see potentially the Western conference finals of a very healthy LeBron versus a very healthy Kawhi or a very healthy team from the West versus a substantially healthy team from the East. And what they plan on doing is opening up on July 31st to resume the season, whether that's straight in the playoffs or those regular season games, which I just kind of hope they nix to play in either Disney world resort in an obviously closed environment, which would be very fascinating to see an NBA game in or in Vegas. Yeah, so I've been thinking about that for a little bit, and I'm not sure how how they would play it because there's a few things. I definitely don't think that they could be traveling and you know exposing themselves to possibly contracting the virus uh, unnecessarily. So it needs to be in a seg or you know contained area, so like Disney World or like Vegas. But 
I'm not sure that these guys would want to be away from their families for, you know, a long scale three months or two months. So I think that we might be seeing kind of a a bridged version of the playoffs in the fact that possibly I don't I'm not sure there's going to be 16 teams. Granted, this is all speculation, but I can't imagine that a 16 team playoffs in this super condensed pushback version is going to be anything that's viable, especially since, you know, chances are we will be running into the the draft if that happens. And then, obviously, Summer League is, is shot as well. I think that's right. But, I mean, Jordan, I'd, I'd have to ask, and I think I know the answer. If, say, you were on the Lakers and you've had a killer second half of the year, and this was the opportunity to win the championship for the memorable, what we'll call the Kobe Bryant season, and you had to be away from your family from for three months, would you be able to do it? Well, dude, I'm I'm a performer above anything. So you know I would rise to the occasion. I'd do it twice, oh, yeah. as a matter of fact, just to prove them all wrong. Uh, I, I think that's how the, all those guys are. I think they would be down to do it as long as it's – I mean, it's a neutral playing field for the first time in all of NBA history if they do go that way, which makes you prove the best of the best on any circumstance. No home court refs, no home fans. You're doing you to the best of your ability. And yeah. it would just kind of show in, in some regards. I think that you're, you're really right, and we've seen it happen before. Um, just one last, two last things. Uh, the most thing I'm excited for is you mentioned a healthy LeBron, um, but you didn't mention a healthy LeBron hairline, which I think we will be seeing soon. Um, being that this, <laughs> I that, think that the, boy's got some rest. <laughs> I, I, I'm a LeBron guy, but I think that hairline's missing just like the UFC fans in their recent events. So maybe we'll get it back. <laughs> maybe we'll get it back, but I think that's gonna keep it to the UFC, and you know it's gone for now. <laughs> Take it's quarantine. It's been quarantined. Uh, we may not see it for a while, but I think that was the best segue possible, and almost a mind reader technique because I was just about to bring up MMA, um, being that they've been running fanless games, and uh, the Tony Ferguson fight was a perfect example of such. And I think that it is, it's eerie in a sense to be able to hear the coaches so well. And also um, the interaction of the sport itself, I think lends to having a crowd around it. I mean, granted being such a like isolated sport that two guys are fighting. Did you not feel that it was a little different seeing those guys fight in a dark, like a, you know, dark room with just one light on them? Or were you like, ah, no, business as usual? I think I enjoyed it in its pu- it's in its purest form. Like, those guys love to fight, and that's what it is. And I think it shows truly their style and their status and how they fight. I believe Justin Gaethje, who ended up beating Tony Ferguson or knocking him out, or technical knockout, yeah. uh, essentially he came out and said it was like, Fighting without fans made me a better fighter because it made me realize I'm fighting for myself and not necessarily for the fans. Yes, I want to put on a show, but there's moments where I'd get 
energetic or cocky and going for an extra kick or jab and I'd get caught and that was the end of my fight. And I think that's the interesting thing about the UFC. But I do agree to your point. When you get to those very large scale moneymaker fights like your Conor McGregor's or your John Jones type fights, that energy is contagious and makes for a better viewing experience. So one thing that I noticed too when watching that fight, and granted it could just have been the nature of that fight and how Gaethje just tore into Ferguson and Ferguson being tougher than nails, um, it was a lot more violent. It felt a lot more violent to me. And I'm not sure if it was because the fight was violent in itself and it wasn't like somebody got submitted early or um, it was basically Gaethje just beating up on Tony Ferguson and Ferguson just having an iron will saying, no, I'm not giving up. And granted, you know, it's it wasn't totally one-sided. Ferguson landed a few um, of his own, but it seemed quite one-sided the whole match. And I think that it is more of the purest. It, it's in the purer form, um, being that there was nobody in the stands and there was no like excitement or not excitement necessarily because it was exciting, but there was no distractionary excitement. Um, I think that 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 leads itself to being probably better for the actual sport because people are in it for the love of it and not as a kind of a status symbol like, oh, let's go to the MMA fight um, by opportunity. But in a sense, I don't think it's obviously sustainable for any, you know, sport to not play without fans at that level. Um, Any combat sport especially as well. To your point, I think it was a much more violent fight in general, but I think what may have pushed it to the edge watching that card is they obviously still have everyone mic'd up from their corners and their head coach to the few boom mics right above the octagon to the announcers. You heard every, you know, leg check or kick check, every body, every hit, every thud. You heard every single sound that was made, even from breathing or exhaling when striking, you know, maybe resonates a little bit more with your human nature and that kind of more predatory um, function in some regards. And I think that's what I noticed when I was watching the fight. However, you know, if we look at other sports, like you look at soccer, I think that is an, could be a very odd experience for 90, 95 minutes with no background sounds and just, you know, dudes running on the field unless you're miking up the players. That is a really good point. And I guess this is even more of a point than if, and granted, maybe it's because I'm on the outside of soccer culture. Granted, I've been to, I've, you know, I've been to a game, especially here, which was an amazing experience. Um, but it was, I really enjoyed the energy more than anything. And I think that the, the magneticness of that, um, when you're watching a soccer game allows you to, you know, stand and watch this for 90 minutes where there's not, you know, necessarily not going to be scoring collectively in the tens at all, or maybe not even in the fives, but it still lends to be a really exciting sport. And I think that that pulls off of the fans fans energy a lot more than anything um granted maybe i'm misunderstanding the game and yeah i'm not 
I'm not basically a soccer guy, I would call myself. So I could be, you know, some of you guys could be screaming like, you know, no, there's tons of technique that I love to watch and it'd be even better without fans. But for me, I think collectively the experience with the fans is more integral to soccer than it is possibly some of these other sports. I would uh, I would concur and say that it, it is definitely an atmospherical type of sport because even those who are highly interested in soccer – You know, there are people who watch it alone, but most of those people enjoy watching it with two to three other friends. And, you know, during these times, it's still a little strange to be in those small groups. So not having that atmosphere, you know, drinking with friends or cheering or, you know, the craziness of the fans or go back to World Cups past the Vuvuzelas and everything like that amplified the experience. I think, you know, soccer in its own regard is very heavy on skill but for 90 minutes of viewing from home and what seems to could sound like a golf atmosphere where it's kind of quiet in the background it'd be very easy to get distracted when you could just go on to social media or youtube or and watch highlights that have music or watch old matches that have sound and feeling that camaraderie with other fans even though you aren't directly there yeah yeah definitely i'm glad we agree on that um one thing that you did mention that i thought literally i think we're in sync now um because i was just thinking about golf and i think that golf might be the one sport short of ping pong and badminton that you don't need any you don't need any fans at all especially golf where you want it to be quiet and when the action is happening it is dead quiet or it should be out of respect for the players and you only hear cheering when you know the round is over once they've once they've gotten their score gotten the ball into the hole that's when the crowd um, shows their support and maybe even you know what I'm going to go out on a limb and say that tennis is, to a lesser degree, functions the same way as soccer. Oh, interesting. On the golf side, I'll start there. I think golf is a real relaxing sport to those who play. You know, people go on vacation to play golf with, you know, them or maybe one friend to do 18 holes or maybe 36 and you don't have to worry about social distancing you're it's a game essentially against yourself you're in your own mind and so i think that of all sports maybe the one that isn't going to change yeah augusta or other big events the crowd may be different but i think that lends to better golf in some regards uh, or it becomes harder because it you're more in your own head but tennis being similar to soccer, that's a that's a tough one because obviously it's during the rallies it's a little quiet, but there's big eruptions. Correction, I think that tennis is similar to golf, not soccer. I think that okay. tennis is more exciting, um, so you could watch it for the entirety. But you know, similar to golf, people, I mean, respectfully so, only interrupt or only interact with the environment when a point's been scored so yeah you know, there's there's this delineation of fan interaction 
which I think some of the sports, um, particularly the NBA, doesn't have, where, you know, there's chance going on. And granted, there are chance in soccer, but I think that it is, it's almost more, um, more common to have fan interaction with players on the, on the court than it is for, you know, like a soccer or a tennis, obviously, and definitely a golf. Right. Yeah, I think that fan interaction's pretty big in those large environment sports. I would agree. Tennis is, uh, there's more some more atmosphere, but it wouldn't be too different, you know, as a viewing experience in some regards. Obviously, Wimbledon might feel a little odd, but uh, it could be very similar. And I think if you look at some of those larger scale events, like in the United States, you look at the NFL, I think you'd put that in the very similar sense is soccer. Um, it's a big camaraderie, atmospherical thing. I mean, NFL games are long, just like soccer. Um, thousands of people tailgating and everything. It's about the experience, to your point, of going to an NFL game and doing all those activities as opposed to just purely the football. Yeah, people go for that, but it you would have they all would have to give me a good argument to defend that it isn't part of, you know, a bigger experience. I, I, t- I think that football is one of those where it, it kind of has both elements. It might be this hybrid where I think that it's entertaining enough to stand alone. And this is all personal perspective for me. It's entertaining enough to stand alone by itself. But I think that just like almost all of these things, it just truly gets augmented a lot more. And I think that's the delineation. How much better do the fans make the game? And I guess that's a personal question. But to segue to something that I think is really, really, really perked my ears up when I heard it um, to the point where I got really excited to regain. I mean, everything in our lives, I feel like, is and one of those things where it's like, what the hell? How did this happen? As far as the virus, as far as things going on in the States currently right now, um, as far as kind of like the financial collapses, other things. But I think that possibly, or, you know, chances are yes, getting to see Mike Tyson fight in our generation is something that got me so, like, excited to see, man. At 53, we're going to get to be able to see this dude fight. Yeah, Mike Tyson definitely still has his power. You know, those listening haven't seen those Instagram clips. It'll be interesting to see what type of charity fight he agrees for. I know he's been offered some things, but hasn't completely uh, signed the dots. And I think he's just waiting for the right opponent. And yeah, there's other former world heavyweight champions like Evander Holyfield coming out. And I think Tyson's just on a very different level in terms of how quickly he progressed over the past nine to 10 months, how he's been taking care of his body. And to me, Tyson was never purely a a fundamental and skills guy. Like his fundamentals and skills were superior, but his just raw athleticism in violent inner personality is unmatched and you can't you know combat that as another 50 year old if you don't have that do you think do you think that 
he will hold on to I think this is something that you were alluding to. Do you think he's going to be able to hold on to that type of intensity? Uh, you know, at 53, I think that, you know, uh, something that Henry Rollins has said in an interview was, you know, as you get as he got older, instead of chopping the whole force down. And this is the um, this former singer of the, the Black Flag, Black Flag. Um, instead of chopping the forest down, he's gotten a lot more surgical with it. So he chops down this specific tree with skill and super efficiency. And do we think that Mike Tyson's going to maintain the chop down the forest in one swipe? Or is it going to be somewhere in the middle? Which I think might even be scarier. Granted, I think the dude was extraordinarily skilled. But imagine if instead of, I think, you know, being as powerful... He augmented that power with like point blank precision, more so than he's ever have. Um, do you th- I mean, I guess I just kind of rambled a little bit just because I got a little excited myself. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, do you think he's going to have the intensity at 53 as he did when he was younger? Or is it going to be similar or different? What do you think? Uh, well, I think the, the intensity may have diminished a bit, but I think it's going to come down to if if he does fight and who his opponent is, I mean, if it's somewhere in his same age range, it's going to be, I think he's just going to be for three rounds of a charity fight, really intense to find that passion again, that he misses and that feeling and that adrenaline rush. If he's truly going out there to show his prowess. However, if he goes into the fight, you know, just to kind of have fun and go through the motions, you know, put some big hits on. It may be a little bit more tactical, but I mean, based on those videos on Instagram and YouTube, I think the intensity is definitely there. And based on the way he's kicked himself into shape over the past eight to 10 months, he'll be in full fighting form for whoever wants to take one of those. And I feel bad for if it is a Vander Holyfield or, another 53-year-old professional boxer, the power that Tyson still holds is very detrimental to someone at that age with maybe a little bit lower bone density or not the same health or, you know, physical regimen to sign on to fight with him in the next three months. Yeah, but I think it's fair to say that um, looking at Mike's physicality, like the dude is built still like an animal so i you know i think that i'm honestly ready to be surprised at how well he does um just by looking at his physique and you know understanding that granted it's it's a different person in a sense because you know after from 20 um when i think he won his first title to 53 and granted, there was obviously, you know, 20, he had a career and stuff. But from that time, it almost is two different people where if you compared yourself at 16 and granted, a lot different because of developmental things. But Mike was still developing at 20, I believe. Um, so now you'd be like two different people. But it's almost like that person is subsumed by another one where, you know, you still have some of the core tenants or techniques or tendencies but you're you think of things differently i think that um we we could see just hopefully i mean we could see some of that raw aggression come out again um, because i think that's what made mike 
so, um, you know, such a visceral experience to see him fight. And uh, I've heard from reading some articles that it might be Tyson Fury that he fights for the a charity um, exhibition match. Um, he first said initially no to Evander Holyfield, but that might be something in the works, possibly in the future as well. But, you know, just another just another exciting thing to keep our hopes up for the future. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fascinating to see what the former baddest man on earth is up to and I'm sure there's some deep pent up rage that could slip loose. You know, he could go in to have as much fun as he wants and then catch one on the chin or, you know, a, a cheap shot and just kind of let it fly. And it'll be fascinating to see if he does end up signing a deal or if it just, you know, kind of comes and goes and all all the craziness yeah, going I'd, around. I'd be surprised if he actually starts fighting professionally again, maybe a couple exhibitions. But um, regardless of what form of Mike Tyson we get, I'm excited. I would say I'm in the same boat. Uh, and hopefully, you know, he finds a, a worthy opponent, you know, that will make it at least a little bit of a show to see some technicality and see some raw raw strength and so i think this is a good place to wrap it up is you know i think we're at our all-time most hopeful to see mike dismember somebody once again um and so you know we appreciate you listening um we hope you're doing well you're healthy um you're safe um during this time of just strangeness and and you know confusion and if you enjoyed this podcast, if you want to take this relationship to the next level, which you know I have my sexy podcasting voice on, so you know I'm serious, go ahead, like, subscribe, and also message us. Tell us we're doing a good job. Anyway, that's thank you. <laughs> yep. Uh, I second what Jordan says. Jordan, Appreciate you guys for listening. Voice. And nope, not happening. And we'll catch you guys next week.